You're listening to a Talent Miles Talks podcast produced by Talent Miles, the company using digital approaches to create more dialogue and learning in teams and faster change in companies. So, ladies and gentlemen, friends and, 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 and others, new acquaintances, welcome to this. It's a Talent Miles Talk online discussion, and it, it sounds very, very grand and so on, but it's actually, I think, um, I would say the fifth or the sixth session we have since the, the, uh, about March when we started with this, this, these talks and the topics are very often about learning and change. My name is Bo Magnus Salenius. I'm a co-founder of Talent Miles and the moderator for today's discussion. Moderator, we will, there will be two of us talking, so I will be moderating uh, by uh, friend, friend, our guest expert for today, Therese Gronat. I will introduce you to in, 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 in just a um, um, uh, few minutes. Now, learning is an emotional concept, as we know, uh, and not, 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 uh, not at least in, in, in COVID times. We know that there, there's very little, well, maybe with the, with the exception of, of the hospitality industry and how much we can travel and how much we can go, go out to eat and so on. That's another hot topic. But learning and our children's education and so on is, is of course, um, very much uh, on uh, um, 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 a key topic of the of the of, of uh, the COVID of the COVID area era. Um, children must not be left without learning. Now, we also know that in the organization and the workplace, we we know the way to survive uncertain and volatile times like the ones we are living in right now, is to have the capacity for learning. But for many reasons, and this is what we are going to discuss today, for many reasons, it seemed to be very difficult to, to, uh, to grasp and to understand what learning really should be meaning in, in an organization and in the workplace setting. One of the reasons, of course, is that we have an outdated and a mythical Sort of, we have outdated and mythical views about what learning really is and how learning happens. And I think that we will today also get some update from from uh, our guest uh, about this uh, how how one should think about learning in today's day and age. I know there are many development experts that, of course, have have have. Um, have have done the reading up on on uh, in, in uh, as professionals, but you also know that that uh, this field, as in as as all fields, of course, in management and 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 science, is is um, uh, transforming itself very very fast. Uh, we are joined here today by one of the leading well one of the leading scientists i was going actually to say from one of the leading groups the 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 um, um, department of educational research and 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 development in in maastricht university and therese gronat who is assistant professor if i'm not mistaken that was that's my understanding you will get the yes, chance to, to present you yourself and, and do and and and, and uh, introduce yourself in, in just a second and she will share with us this, the state of the art and, and interesting insights on of, of uh, the research that is being done in by this group and by her and her colleagues in Maastricht. Therese, very welcome. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Over to you. Would well, how would you like to present yourself to uh, to our diverse group today? Um, probably good. To start with explaining why I do what I do. Um, essentially, I've been doing research on how professionals learn together with Wim, who is on this call as well, for the past 10 years. And I started to become interested in the topic because I see learning as the only way we can cope with the complexity and change that we're all facing in our environments, in different environments. May that be private or at work, uh, within organizations, within even industries. We have so much uncertainty. We have so many unpredictable events happening. And COVID is one of the biggest ones, obviously, that I'm convinced we can't cope with these events without being able to learn. And on the one hand, I'm teaching. So I'm involved 
with students every day that I try to prepare for the labor market, not knowing what they will be required to do in about five years time. So that's an interesting challenge. But most of my work has focused on um, professionals that have to react quickly in unclear situations. And together with my team, we have explored how learning in different forms, in different ways, in different situations can contribute to better performance. So that's a little bit the context. Uh, we've done that with chemical engineers and with accountants mostly. I have colleagues who also focus on um, engineers, on pilot teams, um, on teachers, on many different domains. But we all together look at what learning can mean for professional performance. Yes. And if I'm not mistaken, you are also actually running together with your colleagues uh, one of the most, the, one of the hottest uh, master's programs in, 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 in management of learning. I, can't, I think you changed the name or, or is it still called management of learning? It's now called learning and development in organizations. Okay. Uh, it's an interdisciplinary master program that combines insights from economics, from business and from psychology that all focus on understanding how yeah. learning works, how to support and evaluate learning at the workplace. And this program draws some stu draws students from all over Europe, if I'm not mistaken, and probably from further apart as well. I just happen to know it. Even further uh, away, yes. I'm sure, I'm sure. Let's start the discussion by by getting rid of this concept of learning and, and let's not let's not problematize the capacity part of the of the headline we needed to i mean capacity for learning what is capacity let's 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 leave that mm -hmm. for a second and let's go for learning because again it's a very emotional emotional topic and all people have um, some some people see their own remember their school and some people see see other things when they talk about learning for you it's uh, it, it's it's uh, an everyday and also a professional thing. How? What is learning? And and now I mean in 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 the work. How how should we think about it? Why is it so complex and difficult in an organization? But start what it is. How would you define learning today and 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 your colleagues? How? We look at learning as a tool for managing complexity. Uh, by developing the knowledge that you need at that moment in time, which you can't really anticipate all of the time. You don't really know what a challenge will require of you ahead of time. So learning means that I'm able to recognize when I have the need to develop more knowledge. It means that I have the tools to then organize my learning process. Where do I get my information? Um, how can I explore this topic further? Can I do that with people from my network, with colleagues? Um, how do I experiment with the knowledge that I've gained and how do I evaluate whether that knowledge has helped me? So we, we view it as an entire process that goes from recognizing to evaluating um, in a way to respond to external challenges. And, and why, why, why is it so difficult? Why is it, a, why is it a, an emotional concept? Is that good or bad or, or is it... Uh, would it be easier to work, to work learning and develop learning today without this this baggage that it seems to have from 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 um, earlier times? Um, it depends on how you look at emotion, right? So uh, Wim, who's on this call, who's a professor at my department, he always says learning hurts, and he says that learning has to hurt for it to really be something that you internalize. If you're not driven to understand, if you're not driven to improve. If you don't feel that urgency, it's not going to happen. If you refer to the emotional baggage as it's usually trainings that you have to follow or it's the time you spend in school, uh, many people don't recognize that it's something that's happening every day at work, whether you plan for it or not, um, then that is a baggage that I think is slowly getting smaller, at least in the discussions that we have with organizations that more and more people realize learning is an everyday occurrence and not simply something they can put into a summer training, for example. Very good. And one other myth that is there in many organizations and many companies and other, is that, that not everybody wants to learn. And you need to, it, it's, it's a thing of the, it, it's driven by your, the power of the, of, 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 by willpower, basically. And could you, how should we think about this? I mean, do you, uh, should we should we persist in in trying to sort of uh, categorize people in those that 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 want to learn and how and, and that 
I'm sure it's not in the genes, or is it? No, but I often have had discussions that there are people who learn and people who do not learn. And it is described almost as a personality trait that you're born with. Some people are curious, some people are not. And the research is very, very clear on this. Uh, our personality determines about 10% of what we do learn, the knowledge that we acquire. So it is there, but it's this important. What is much more important is that you feel the necessity to learn, that you have the sense of agency. Uh, I know what I need to learn. I have the room to do what I need in order to get that knowledge and that you are supported for doing so. So the environment is a lot more important than how you were born or the, the stable patterns that you have inside of you. Uh, so I would definitely say don't give up, never. And don't tell people this because eventually they'll start believing it and then they won't, be, they won't trust themselves to learn anymore because they've been told they can't. So that's a very detrimental message that even some children already get in school. Yes. Now, we, we, we did agreed basically not to really focus on the COVID times, but we are living in the, in the times of the pandemic. And, and, and uh, I can't resist asking you, sort of also getting this out of the way. Have you been surprised by, as a, as a, as a researcher of learning and development by something during these months uh, in, in what, from what you have seen in, with, with your students or with organizations or, 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 or yourself? Well, with the students, I felt they were very flexible, uh, much more than, than, than our staff sometimes, uh, that they were willing to experiment, they were willing to try things. Uh, if technology doesn't work out, at least I get quite stressed, my students don't. And they forgive you for not doing it perfectly, and they smile at you and say, you can do it, and then it's fine. Um, so in that sense, I wasn't surprised how the students handled it. Um, what I did find surprising is that many people apparently respond to this uncertainty that we have in this situation, not by learning and by informing themselves, but by going with a sort of confirmation bias. There must be something up. I don't understand. I'm looking for a simple answer. And you see this huge rise of, of conspiracy theories, for example. And this has been the case in earlier pandemics as well. It's as such not surprising. But the way people claim they are learning, but they're actually developing those very absurd theories, that is... Um, it's a form of learning that I find, yeah, what's the right word? Disturbing, I think, um, that people accumulate information in a way that further confirms their, their views and radicalizes them over and over. That is a learning process, too, that I wouldn't have anticipated. Okay, very, very interesting. Well, apart from, from that sort of learning process, would you say, would you say that we have as 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 um, well work have workplaces now since since the, 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 the past seven months have have we learned uh, a lot or a little or how would you describe the, the learning that has been going on uh, in, in at, at, at work the feeling I get from the talks with the organizations that we work with but also how I see the university handling things that there's a lot of learning happening at in the individual level at small team levels within single units that are very well connected and that talk a lot with each other but that we can't really know yet what organizations have taken away from this more in the long term are there any initiatives that are coming up now that are useful way beyond the current situation Will those initiatives receive enough support to continue to grow and to be implemented by others? We don't know yet. Um, are there many, many different initiatives that you could take into account and could take advantage of? Absolutely. But can, can we know whether organizations have learned from them yet? No, there's no way. Okay. We need more time for this. And the hope is, of course, that the organizations will recognize the potential of ideas of little practices that have evolved and find ways to create the conditions for those to grow and to be shared. Yes, we will make sure that before we, 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 we finish today, you, you will, you, yeah, we will ask you about uh, what we can do in, in, the, in the workplaces um, in, in these, these days and these times now to maximize and, and um, the, the, the learning and the getting, getting of the, 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 the insights that we should have, we should, that, that are there to get from these, from these times. But um, another question, and um, 
if if you would sort of describe what's happening to happened to learning over the past, let's not go from to for to to two hundred years back or even one hundred years. Let's let's look at the past of, of of the past on the past five years. I know there are many people working with with learning and development. There are many many managers and directors and consultants uh, listening in to us and joining joining this in many ways. So so how would you? It, 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 a typical thing is that it's very difficult to see what is close. It's easy to say what's been happening in an industry over over tens of years or the, 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 the sort of broad strokes. But but it's much more difficult to, to put your finger on what is really moving, what is really happening. So if you look at a few years back, what are we talking more about in, in when we talk about learning and, and, and for how adult professional people learn? Uh, is the so, movement mm -hmm. there? So um, I do most of my research in the field of auditing. So those are the big four auditing firms, KPMG, uh, EY, all of those firms. And there we now have talks that were impossible five years ago. Uh, one of the things that we now continuously focus on in our meetings is the concept of the learning culture. And a few years back, it was all about, well, should we give people additional training for this? Should we give people additional coaching for that? It was very content focused. What do we think our people need to learn to do their job better? And I feel that now there's a movement from the content of trying to prescribe the kind of knowledge that people will need to creating the conditions for people to take that decision themselves. So it's not about anticipating the exact knowledge that people will require, because we can't know. In many cases, we can't know. We need to have a good baseline education, and from there, people need to do it themselves to respond to uncertainty. And I see that move from specific trainings to focus on culture and conditions for independent learning that then needs to be supported. And five years ago, we tried to bring up that topic, and we sneaked it into our research because we felt then that it was really, really important. But the conversations we had were not focused on that element. They were all about the training and different groups of people and categorizing people. And that has stopped. What, what, what would you say lies behind this, this move from content, focus on content to culture that, that you described? Where, where, where does it come from, uh, really? What, what, what is the background? Um, in the auditing field, I'd say they're different drivers. Um, I'm not sure how it is in different countries. In the Netherlands, uh, accounting firms have been under enormous pressure by regulators, by the government, by their clients to deliver better quality. Um, and that has been a very public event. Uh, so there is naming and shaming in the press. Um, it, it's, it, it's a tough environment to be in. So there's a huge external driver for change. Internally, um, I think at first that has led to trying to wanting to control the procedures and the regulations that people use. And the companies have noticed that they can't go beyond a certain point by only enforcing the rules. And they notice that next to this hard side, they need to fill these uh, procedures with desirable behaviors, with behaviors that are suitable to developing their goal. So. Now that all of the procedures are up to speed, they now notice we need more. We have to let go of a certain degree of control in order to give that room to, for people to use their, their own values, their own beliefs, uh, and their own learning in the workplace. So I think on the one hand, it's a, um, it's a necessity. They have to change. They, they don't have the opportunity not to. And they have gone as far as they could with the knowledge and the approach that was natural to them. And now they've recognized the limits, they're able to go further. But yeah, we started this research 10 years ago and the talks we had, um, women and I were very, very different from the ones we're having now. Well, it's quite interesting because the, 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 the notion of learning culture has been there since the early 90s, at yes. least. So it's quite interesting to see and, and it, 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 it's, been, it, it's been coming and going. Uh, for many of, of, us, uh, of us, of course, working with, with learning and with, with development, it's been there basically all the time. But it's also been one of those fuzzy concepts. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's, um, to, to be fair, it sounds far too soft, and that has been the 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 the, um, the idea, the understanding of of the learning culture. It's sort of well, culture is a troubling concept anyway because it's sort of everything 
and it's it's nothing in in, in the same very very difficult to to define and, and understand how you should actually use the, the word culture because it can be used in, in 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 so many ways and what you're saying now is if i understand uh, understand it right you are saying that that the, we are companies are looking different or at least these companies that you have worked with and these industries that you have worked with that they are looking different at culture because they have to that culture has become something that is real am i it is, yeah something that is real um but I, I completely understand that it's an unattractive concept in the sense that it's never a quick fix right? you can't say from tomorrow onwards my firm will have a learning culture and you're done that's not at all how that works um I think it took time to recognize that one approach is not sufficient, that you need another. And then it took time to familiarize yourself with culture means essentially communication and sharing values and agreeing this is what we want, this is what our goal is, and this is how we feel we can get to that goal. And that that is actually a very fruitful process. Uh, one of the firms we've worked with has done um, a culture inventory. So they started from the lowest ranks up and they have interviewed people. Why do you work here? Why do you care? Uh, what makes you come to work every morning? When are you satisfied with what you did? Um, which behaviors in your colleagues do you value? And they have created a very explicit set of core values that at least in every talk we have, those come back. So it has become deeply ingrained, like, oh, no, no, wait, we need to be really careful here with our integrity because and integrity is one of the, the core values. And essentially, people have been given a language to talk about their beliefs and their values. And it's a normal thing to address someone else when you think they are violating those, those values. Um, and this language, I think, is one of the core things that made it a little bit more tangible for people, that when they talk about culture, they know we mean this, this, and this. This is acceptable, this is not acceptable. And I'm in my right to say that to my colleagues if they violate that. So I think that made it a lot more tangible. And now the question is, how can they move that understanding of culture towards a learning-oriented culture that gives the room to develop knowledge uh, as part of daily work? Because there, the culture is still very much about training and certification and getting your uh, your points every year. And that is slowly changing now. I'm guessing now, but I, I would I would guess if we would we, we would ask some of the people. Um, listening into to this discussion now, I, I think there would be a an element of surprise uh, about what you're describing. As, as it, I mean, there are stereotypes of all industries, of course, but but um, um, the stereotypes and understanding of of the particular industry that you are describing now, or the the, the type mm -hmm. of industry, would would not necessarily start with with being very very heavy on culture. Uh, so, so it's quite interesting to, to to hear this, and the fact that change has actually been going on. Change has sort of started and, and gone gone so far there. How would you how do you see this happening in other industries? Um, and and I mean in the, in manufacturing, in other in in other in other um, uh, spheres of, of of business. I have less of a direct insight there because that's not where my own research is focused. Um, what we do see is that depending on the environment you're in and what your environment is asking from you, you can't use the exact same approach to learning every single time. Um, so if you have an environment in which when you do A, B always happens, and all I need essentially is for people to have enough opportunity to see that A equals B and then I'm good. Um, if I'm in an environment where I do A 50 times and I get 50 different results, then simply doing the A experience over and over is not necessarily a helpful thing. There I need continuous interaction with others. I need reflection. I need intervision. I need experimentation. If I do that uh, in an environment where A equals B, I'm losing resources. There's, then I'm overdoing it and there's no benefit to, to my investment. So we do know that it's very important to consider what kind of environment am I in and how crucial is the role of learning. And we know that the more complex and the more unpredictable the work gets and that can differ within the same organization, the more crucial it is to pay attention to a wider approach to learning, not just training, which is the more controlled, predictable way of doing things, but also to create conditions for reflection, intervision, coaching, experiences, uh, having critical experiences, failing, all of these things. 
And my idea is that that, that, um, that conceptualization is gaining, is gaining traction. So that it's not a one size fits all approach anymore, that you send everyone to the same training once, but that you can differentiate according to the needs and the situations that people are in. Um, whether that is everything that needs to happen, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot more to go, um, but I feel most comfortable speaking on the world of accountants and on the world of, of these chemical engineers that we've worked with. And there we see that definitely this understanding, not one size fits all, but creating the conditions through a learning culture that has taken hold. Okay. And, and, and again, I was going to ask you where, where who who have been sort of the drivers within these companies and i don't of course i don't mean 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 the, the exact people but my sort of function has been which function has been or can you identify that this has started with with with, with development with hr or with in, in, in a particular place or or is this, is it the business the business leader leadership that has has and management that has has driven the change for us, it was the business leadership. Uh, we started our work at uh, three offices of one accounting firm, and we talked to the partners there. So the partners own part of the company, uh, but they are involved in daily business. They lead their own business units. And these were the people that approached us, uh, that we came into contact with and said, we need to do something with learning. We just don't have any idea how and what would you do? And we proposed an approach to them to understanding and mapping how learning is happening and how we can see if people have different needs for learning and how that impacts performance and it has escalated from there so one business leader has recommended our research to someone else so then we went to the next location and only after we've been to the central office did other units get involved so then we had a talk with hr we had a talk with uh, the national office that is responsible for the procedures that they use and the checklists and all of those things uh, they came into contact with us afterwards it was uh, an internal strategic change team and we have been working with them for well, four years now i think so they now have a dedicated team for culture change for anything that has to do with behavior and this is the group that we've mostly been working with now but it came from the bottom up. So it wasn't a top down thing. We now need to think of learning, but individual partners realized it was important and gave that a platform. Yes, well, at the same time, we also know that, that like it or not, all organizations are, are, are poli political contexts. So there is, there, there is all, of course, always also the drive. And particularly when you talk about something that is, that is interesting and new and is, is gaining traction as you described, um, there, there, one could think that there might be an interest to sort of, uh, how should I say, to, to claim ownership of, 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 of uh, the learning and, and the development of learning. How do you see this? Because it's ob obviously the, the HR, for instance, HR development, talent development is, is there and in, 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 in all large organizations, of course, can be found in different forms and shapes. And of course, uh, the, the uh, People running talent and, and management and, and HR development, an, an age old, it's not a complaint, it's a valid complaint about people are not interested in learning. But suddenly, what you are describing here is, is an organization that goes, sounds like, or these organizations go all in. I mean, actually, all in the sense that all, all parts of the, or may, at least many parts of the organization go into. Uh, go into learn in, 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 into what you describe uh, has that been a has that been difficult sort of um, I mean does learning and development need to be owned by anyone or pl placed at some particular place in, in, in a large organization in your in your understanding for us the, the the benefit was that we had high ranking people that have a lot of power within the organization who were convinced we need to do something we were even luckier that these people didn't feel that this should be something only they should be doing the risk we ran in the beginning was that we have one or two people who champion this idea and then say no 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 it's only us who do that no one else and they would have blocked us from accessing more people in that industry because they wanted to keep it as an advantage or as a new approach to themselves and we were lucky that that is not the case. 
So it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, you need people who give you resources, who give you access, who give you that trust. Because we go deep in the organization. We've met, I don't know, 3,000 accountants in the past years, and we have put them through some quite sensitive uh, simulations where we see very desirable behavior, but also very undesirable behavior. So that is the huge vulnerability that those firms are, are giving and affording us. And our luck was that we had people to speak for us and for the approach of learning. Um, and they had a personification of someone coming in and doing that, which makes it easier, I think. Um, but at the same time, they didn't cling to their ownership and they weren't gatekeeping. And I think that's the risk of ownership is that ownership can result in preventing others from having access to yes. something that you value. Yes. Um, and that I could imagine is a, uh, is a fun discussion to have in practice. And actually, um, I, I'm, it's not very long ago that I had this, this discussion with the, with the senior, senior director in a company who said that it, this person uh, said that, that he felt that he would like to be much more involved in, 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 in with, with learning. He could see that, I suppose it's in, in some aspects, it's, it's what you describe. He saw that this is actually something that the company needs to go, but he felt that he is stepping on, on, on other toes in the organization. He wasn't scared about doing this. I mean, he, he, he just felt that this is creating, creating an organizational problem and issue is that do you think we will see more of this over the over, over the next years that that this understanding that learning is actually needs to needs to happen in a way of course what you described was what's happened with the with the accountancy uh, accountants firms because of the legislations and the big failures that we have seen around as well is i mean you know in a way we can compare it to what happened with the covid with teaching well, we just needed to do something different different in March in order to, to do the teaching over, 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 overnight almost. Now, this hasn't been overnight, but it's been over a comparatively short period, period of time. So I think, Therese, you, have, you are now enough with the teasers. What exactly did you, have you done with the accountants? So uh, one thing we one thing we have done and that we have enjoyed a lot is we essentially spent a summer uh, in the annual training program because that's an institution at those firms, and we have put accountants into simulations where we force them to make a highly uncertain judgment under very high time pressure. So this is one of the tasks that women I enjoy a lot. We uh, welcomed fifty people into a room. We put them onto tables with five people each, all of different ranks. So we have the partners, the ones that own part of the company that are responsible with their signature for anything that happens to the youngest people who were there two, three years. And it's important to know the hierarchy in those firms, even though it's in the Netherlands and uh, the Netherlands are famous for being a country with a rather flat hierarchy coming from Germany, at least that's my impression. Uh, I felt that the hierarchy was very strict. Everyone was very much aware and they introduced themselves as, hi, I'm Mike, I'm a partner at Amsterdam. And everyone was like, ooh, Amsterdam partner. They immediately signaled who they were and what their position was. And then someone would say, well, I'm an associate, the youngest rank, and I'm from city X in the Netherlands that is very small and very far away from Amsterdam. And you could tell that people were thinking, oh, poor him. And they would turn away slightly to the next person. So people were immediately signaling where they were, how important they were, what their, their tasks are. And then we told them, you have one hour to make a judgment about a hypothetical client we give you. And you need to tell us in an hour's time, will this client be financially alive a year from now? So we asked them to predict an event in the future, which there's never a yes or no answer. It's always gray zone. So the only way you can make this judgment is that you evaluate the evidence that is there you weigh that evidence very carefully and you present your case based on that evidence. And then we had some fun and we made it very difficult for these accounting teams. So we gave them a huge amount of information to go through and we split that information up. So the youngest person had different uh, information than the most experienced person. So they needed to come together to find a way to coordinate, to give everyone a say and to then weigh that information into a team judgment. 
during that hour that they were busy, Wim, I, and our colleague Roger, we were walking up and down between the teams. And if there was a technical issue, we would help them. But mostly we were just there to put up the pressure. So we would tell them, hey, 10 minutes gone. Uh, you only have 50 minutes left, uh, 45 minutes left now, 20 minutes left. So we really put them under a lot of pressure. And we wanted to see how do teams cope with the situation? And do we observe behaviors that are more or less suitable to forming that judgment? And what kind of learning behaviors do we see? And can we trigger teams to display even more learning behavior? That's what we were interested in doing. And to give you one example, um, we had one team, I think we, we will never forget. Um, the partner looked around and said, oh, I don't have all the information. You guys also have information. And he grabbed the laptop from his youngest team member, looked through the information and said, okay, we're done put it back and physically turned away from that youngest team member. And that person was quiet for 55 minutes after that. They didn't say a single word because they were so intimidated and they didn't feel appreciated in any way. And that was just the first five minutes of them working together. I don't want to imagine how that teamwork goes every day. Uh, we also had situations where the partner was able to create a perfect learning environment within equally just five minutes. So some teams we invited to reflect at the beginning of the simulation. We asked them, check with your colleagues who has experience with these kind of judgments and make agreements on the way that you want to work together in the next hour. What are desirable behaviors and what are undesirable behaviors? And how do we make sure we stick to the desirable ones? So essentially create legitimacy of saying, hey, this is not okay, we need to be doing this. Um, they also appointed someone that was monitoring the team process and to intervene in case they were deviating from a constructive path. So that was a five-minute intervention. Following that five-minute intervention, we saw one team that was, it was just brilliant. So the partner did all the questions and said, okay, so you two, you know what's going on, but you two, you don't. Good. Now, you two from teams, the inexperienced one, will report on their findings first. The experienced one will give context later on. So we get all the insights from someone who doesn't know, right? And who can't omit information because they think maybe it's not relevant. The ones with knowledge will then share their perspective. I will quickly go through my things and then we'll bring it together. How about that? So he gave a voice to the youngest team members. He gave a teaching role to the ones that were more experienced. They had a time where they were really learning and understanding what the task was about before bringing it together to form the judgment. That was brilliant. It took them five minutes to set up. And we saw every kind of behavior in between. Um, at the end of the simulation, the teams had formulated the judgment based on the information that we gave them. And we asked them how they felt about the teamwork. And the feature that we did in that training was that they went on a 15 minute break. They came back and we immediately showed them how they performed compared to all of the other teams in the rooms on that day. And our luck was that accountants are very competitive, we found out. So there was a huge motivator to do well. And it created an environment where people were engaged because they were emotional about their performance and about wanting to do well. And that opened up the floor for very constructive, very honest discussions. Um, we had people who shared the best practices of how they get the most out of their teamwork, how they try to set up a supportive environment. Uh, we had one very critical moment where we had this discussion and everyone was feeling energized and it was positive and people said, yeah, we can do better. And yes, we can listen to each other. This is going to be great. And one hand went up and it was a very experienced person in the organization and said, yeah, that's cute. Um, but honestly, I need my people to get the work done. And if that means they cry for five minutes in the toilets, I'm okay with that. And that killed the entire mood. Everyone had just been very motivated and then suddenly it was just gone. And I was still shocked that you feel okay saying something like that in front of your younger colleagues who had just gotten a huge boost. And before we were ready to say something, two partners stood up and said, we want to talk to you after the break because this is not okay. This is behavior we don't tolerate in our firm. And if you behave like this with our colleagues, we have something to say about that. And they immediately reassured their colleagues that this is not a shared opinion and this is not how things should be. So they were signaling culture, they were signaling values. 
And after that session, we saw them talking in the corner and I don't want to be that person who raised their hand. Uh, it was made very, very clear to them that this was not okay. And this is the moment when we realized the simulations are a great way to get started. And it's a great way to show the direct impact of behavior on performance. But most of all, it gives people an opportunity to actually discover how their colleagues are handling and viewing tasks that they may never know because they are not in an environment together in those cases. And one of our suggestions afterwards was create these moments, have those intervision moments where people actually find out how their colleagues on the same level behave if you don't work with them all the time. Because if you have an inconsistent culture eh, where these two partners who stood up and said, no, 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 this is not okay, they send one message. The other person is sending a completely different message. Then if I'm lower in the hierarchy, I will learn exactly when to show which behavior depending on what is rewarded and you know when my head gets bitten off. So I live in an inconsistent culture. I sometimes have the opportunity to learn, sometimes I don't. And that is a problem. If you want to have a consistent culture that encourages learning, then it needs to be somewhat consistent for me to not be afraid to make mistakes, to experiment, to ask questions, to disagree. And we found that people are very, very easily aware of where they can do that and where they can't. A couple of questions just to, to understand this better. I, I'm quite very fascinating. I, I, I hope all, 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 all you guys who are listening into this now, you are making notes and, and filling the, the, the chat box with, with good questions and comments on this. Just to understand, I mean, and I mean, there are many takes, many sort of, um, how should I say, consequences of, of, of this thinking. What you are, a couple of things. One thing you didn't do was you, again, going from what you said earlier, um, that, that going from, from the notion of content, what exactly is a learning? So, so it, it was not about describing what to these, to these accountants, what, the lear what learning is, and then having them, having them having them practice a little in the afternoon, which would be very much the, tra the, the, the old training, training model. Yeah. Uh, we course. didn't tell them anything. Exactly. They knew it was a session about behavior, that's it. And behavior had been a topic for a while. And we immediately punched them into the problem. And then afterwards, we told them why we did it, once so they were you, emotionally invested. So what you did was create, you, 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 you gave them learning experiences. Yes. And, and that learning, those learning experiences were, were then creating all of this. And, and, and what, from what you described, of course, also is, is the, I mean, this, um, which is not, nothing short of an intervention where, where there is a person yes. who is actually dis displaying non, non, non um, uh, sort of favorable um, behavior and being yes. reprimanded and being, being actually corrected for this. So this, yes. is, heavy, this is heavy stuff to be. Yes. I mean, uh, for, for but it's wonderful. I yeah. was so pleased to see it um, that that happens because this person who raised their hand, a felt safe enough to do that, mm. but it also gave everyone the opportunity to see how to handle such a situation. Yes, I've had other workshops where these situations happened and no one dared to say anything, and it appeared that people were agreeing even though they were not. So then I tried to make it explicit and say, well, that's an interesting position. I see people are reacting differently to this. I don't think we all have the same opinion and you need to tease it out and you need to give people the platform to feel safe, to disagree, which can be difficult, especially if the person is very high ranking and well known. In this case, we didn't need it because the people felt powerful enough to do that. But it had to be people at the top. The lower ranking people were shocked. We could see it in their faces that they were retreating and they were leaning back. They thought, oh God, then what was all the session about? Then, then and they're they still thinking, probably, they're still wondering what, what actually happened, which is, of course, a, a, a great and fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, thing to do. One, one thing that, that you also, I mean, that, that you focus all the time, it's a part of the puzzle here, or part of the, part of the, 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 the approach here, is, is uh, the focus on learning behaviors. Yes. I mean, this is really about focusing behaviors, not focusing about my 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 vocalized understanding of, of of verbalized understanding of what learning is you did there's no, no, no very little of that or probably a, a lot of that by way of reflection after the experience mm -hmm. but 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 uh, but uh, not not as a driver of 
it is not the understanding it is the experience that drives the the the, the insight and the change it, it's yeah am i am i right here Yes, uh, so we looked for two things. We looked for, so we were walking up and down and we were observing teams and we were picking up on excellent behaviors that were wonderful examples of how to facilitate learning. We also picked up on behaviors where we thought, well, probably shouldn't do that again. And what we did after the simulation was over is we pointed out those behaviors and we got explicit instructions to be, to be very honest and that we could be tough. Literally those were the words, like you can be tough with them. Uh, so that that we did um, and we were saying well at this table we saw this this was fantastic can you explain to us why you did that oh it just happens spontaneously do you do that more often oh cool when do you do that and people would immediately share their best practices but we also could say that wait a minute uh, we saw one behavior here this group was very quiet um, in comparison to the other groups who were very very active what happened here and people slowly understood oh we were quiet maybe they didn't even notice in the moment. And then they started reflecting and they started comparing themselves with the behaviors they had seen in others. And in, we had lots of talks during breaks and people came up to us and we were having drinks and lunch and all of those things. And they said, I didn't know it was that easy. I always thought you have to change everything about yourself and you have to be a completely different leader and you don't. It can be very simple things like knowing when to ask a question, knowing when to be quiet. It can be very small things. So people felt encouraged by the observable things that made a difference in their team experience because they talked about it and because they became aware of them. Therese, we this this is so fascinating. We could we could talk, and, and you, I'm quite sure you could tell us for hours about how this actually works. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm conscious of time, and I see that we have about a, a ten minutes minutes plus or so left. So I wonder if you could summarize for us uh, now sort of what, what uh, as a researcher and your team, with your team, what takeaways, to use the pop word, uh, did, you, did you get, do, do you get from, from, from these studies with, 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 with these companies now? And how can we, what would you, based on this, what can you suggest for, for companies or people working with development in companies that listen in to this, this, this discussion now? So the first thing we noticed was that learning is a very social activity that is rooted in behaviors, but also in beliefs. And in order to understand how those different behaviors and beliefs contribute to how you perform, you need to be aware of them. So one of the core things we did with these workshops was to make people aware of A, how they themselves behave and why, but also that they see a range of possible behaviors that they can adapt themselves and just to give it a try. The second thing we noticed is that people need to have language to talk about something. I can feel that something is wrong. I can feel that I'm uncomfortable. If I don't have the words to express that, I will have a hard time resolving that issue with someone else. So by giving people the language to talk about and to express what they are sitting with, what they want to, to, to change, that is a crucial step to do. So in that one company, they did it by, by uh, making these values very explicit and giving people permission to correct each other on that. What we did in our workshops is we gave those behaviors names. So I said, ah, you're doing reflection because you asked this in this question, this is called reflection. And then people could say, hey, we need to do more reflection because I feel like we're rushing from one thing to another and we're missing opportunities. So giving people language is a huge tool to empower people to do learning by themselves. The last thing that we noticed is that you learn to learn from others. I can tell a young person in an organization, a graduate of our program, uh, learning is so important and you need to seek feedback and we want you to observe how leaders behave and do this, do this, ask for this. If in the organization, they don't observe others doing that, they will stop that behavior very quickly because they want to fit in, right? They get socialized into an environment and we can set up these young people for learning. If in the organization, they don't see other people do the same, they will know it's important, but they won't act on it. So we saw over and over in our research that once I see my direct leader talk about how they failed, my direct leader share how they felt about that, 
and what they did afterwards. Um, if we see our colleagues not laughing at someone else because they made a mistake, but saying, oh, I'm so happy they said that. Imagine if we hadn't known this, this would have been so bad. If you see this rewarding behavior in others, it legitimizes it for yourself. So that's the, the third takeaway, that it needs to be right. observable. Saying it isn't enough. Mm -hmm. uh, so what you said was learning need, it, it, it's social. Made, yes. You have to be made aware. You have to have the language and you learn yes. to learn from others. And, yes. uh, and this is about the, the being, being observable. There are two, yes. two important, from, from, a, from a practitioner point of view, if I decide to take on my, my and, and, and try on my, my manager hat for a second, a couple of things come to mind. First, uh, can, can this be done not as a simulation with you and your colleagues, but do you see that this is something that you can actually transform into a into an approach by, by leaders, team leaders, in different situations in, 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 in sort of in the course of work, basically. Yeah, uh, so in auditing, they start to do that in healthcare. That's a very common thing. Sometimes if you know there is a high risk moment with a team that you put an observer in place who doesn't look at are they following procedure, who's not there to, to punish, but who's observing the team dynamics. How are people behaving? Uh, are we getting enough information? Did everyone speak up? Was everyone being heard? and who then leads what is called an after-action review. If you say, this was your team's goal, this is how you behaved, did you achieve your goal, why, why not, how could you do differently next time? And in many high-risk situations, um, you see that this extra time is put into place between events that are similar, so that you use one experience to explicitly learn for the next one, for the next one, for the next one. So you get into a cycle of learning from a critical experience. Um, institutionalizing it in this way is one approach. The other one is that as a leader, you show with your behavior, your questions, your language, that um, you find this important and you encourage people to speak up in a consistent manner. That you, again, ask people for coffee first and then afterwards you ask them to speak up in a smaller team. Then you ask them to speak up in the entire team, give them a place and show them their value. If you do that consistently, you teach the kind of learning behaviors you want to see in others. Um, but that needs to be rooted in a deep belief that that's important and beneficial for you and for others. But I think already in what you're saying that, that as a leader, you are, it's your role, it can be your role or you can, yes. you can actually drive learning behaviors in others, which is yes. I, something I think that, that um, is not found in all, you know, in, 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 in all leadership at, at all. And, 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 and that's good. The final question on this, and before we uh, take some, some some questions, um, if you if you if you are now involved in and, and running a, a, a department in a in a large organization, not not a place where where there is one or two guys who own the place, and you can basically just uh, have have them agree. But it's a more, more complicated setting, basically, an industry in a, a large large company. How can you go about this? Is, is it basically now this is something that can happen in, 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 from team to team and so on? Or can you really create this as a program also? Uh, or, or, or how do you see this? Is this, a, is, it, is this a gradual change and does it need to be there? Or is there a way to, to, speed, to speed this up um, also, this, this, this sort of insight that, that you are talking about now? To, yeah. to run a program where you can actually sort of have the organization become aware of the role of learning and being practicing these learning behaviors uh, in, a, in a shorter time. We know from our own experience with the companies we've worked with, but also from research that saying you're a learning organization doesn't matter. Um, it people don't, it goes in one ear, it goes out the other. It doesn't translate into behavior. Um, what we have seen in the organizations we've worked with is that we have pockets of change. We have one partner who is heavily invested in behavior and that person will provide resources, room, inspiration, network from the outside to engage with that further. And then it's spread from there. And it took seven years for them to go from one partner who's interested in having a dedicated team 
to then roll that out in the organization. So in that one setting, we saw people capitalize on the driving change that was happening within the firm at a small scale and try to take that and apply that to wider senses of the organization. My feeling is, but Wim, correct me if this is not right. My feeling is if 10 years ago, they would have said, you know what, we do a national program and we become a learning organization that they would have failed miserably because people wouldn't have had the sense of urgency. They wouldn't have felt what it can mean to them. They wouldn't have experienced that they have agency in their own learning because it would have been something that is entirely top down. So giving the opportunity to experience, I can do something with this. I have the opportunity to contribute. I can help others. That's a huge driver for many people as well, not just themselves. Mm. Have that opportunity and build it from there. Top down, I wouldn't have a good feeling about that, especially if it's a large organization. No, but but what you have also said, and, and this industry that you have worked with, uh, uh, you started out with saying that this is an industry that, that realized as a business and that it needs to change. Yes. So, which is, uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's top down, but it's, it, 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 the, what, what, what you are saying there is that the understanding is very much at the top as well. Yes. Uh, so, so there is an understanding that we, in order to, 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 to stay, to survive, back to the COVID, in order to survive, we need to, to work remotely. Back in order to survive, we need to learn. We need to do yes. differently. Now, Therese, thank you very much for, for this great, great, uh, inspiring example. Now, I, I can see the chat here. It's, it, it's filled with all kinds of stuff. Can you see the chat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Let's let's uh, before we go, ladies and gentlemen. This is let's conclude the official part of the of this session. So please, if you feel like like you gotta go, you have 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 places to go and, and and things to do. No worries, just do that. We will send you the the recording. Thank you very much for joining, and and if you have a few minutes to stay with us, and if you want to also maybe to ask a question. I think that's no problem. Uh, if, if, uh, and let's 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 do this for a few minutes, for those of you who 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 feel like it. Thank you very much. Um, let's look at the at at, at the chat. Uh, one of yeah, the lots of messages. Yeah, one of the things that that seems to come up here. So, the, what is how do you get culture change? And and the good old coffee machine is coming up here in one of the <laughs> chats, sort of. So, so the, the, we don't have the same forums anymore, and 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 so on. But if I'm not I'm mistaken here now, what you're talking about is it, it, the, the, what you mentioned as as the sense of urgency. Yeah. I mean, when I go and 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 stand at the coffee machine, I it's not, I don't sense the urgency necessarily. And what you are talking about here is something more proactive, more active driving for learning. Or do I do I do I understand right? Yeah, we um, in the company, I'm sure not everyone felt the sense of urgency that we were invited to do this specific simulation in. Um, I'm sure there were people who felt everything was just fine. Um, so the company decided to create an experience that would highlight that sense of urgency. Um, one thing I didn't mention is that we measured their performance in a very careful and very detailed way. So we could show them the differences between teams looking at the exact same case. And we saw on a percentage scale with their judgment, one team gave a 20 and the other one gave a 100. And they were both 90% confident that they did an amazing job. That's impossible. With the yeah. same case, you can't be this far apart. And people got shocked about how different they look at things and how different performance was. And I think that created a sense of urgency based on that simulated experience in the moment. Uh, that maybe they didn't feel beforehand. So sometimes it's also the question of creating that sense of urgency by making people aware of their need to learn. And that doesn't have to be the regulator is chasing us or my name is going to be in the paper if I mess this up. This could be, I was really unhappy with how my team performed. Um, I would really love to do X, but I can't. Those can also be senses of urgency, but you need to give people the language to express that and then to do something with it. Mm. A couple of more. Uh, picks from the from the uh, uh, from the chat here. There's one one person asking that my sense is that learning increasingly happens elsewhere outside the confines of the organization where people actually work. Any thoughts on that? 
Um, that's an interesting one. Um, and I would love to have more context for this. Um, in a sense, it's not bad that learning also takes place away from work, right? If you have a friend who happens to work in another domain and they tell you something and then after think, oh, this is great, we could use that too, then learning elsewhere is great. If this refers to, we always do things the way that we are used to doing them and we see competitors moving ahead and doing things differently, then of course that can feel like a threat. Um, that you feel you already have lost the race, you don't even need to start running because other people are so far advanced already. That can be a huge uh, factor that makes you slower or that, that makes you feel less agency. Uh, so you're less likely to act on it. So depending on what is meant with, with elsewhere, I think the outlook of learning takes place with my colleagues, with my friends, with my network outside, with talks that I visit, with chance encounters that I have, all those are learning opportunities. And the question is, what do you do with those opportunities? Do you talk about it? Do you reflect on it? Do you experiment? Or do you say, oh, that would be great, and then leave it? Yes. Now, here is an, a question from, from a person that I happen to know is a researcher herself, although she works in many in, 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 other, in, other, in another context now. She asks, where do I find more information about the methodology used when planning the simulations? Yeah, so we followed um, essentially a protocol that has been used in the military, but also in healthcare, where we have these reflective moments at the beginning and at the end. The simulation itself, we developed together with the company to make sure we have a situation that is representative of people's actual work. So we wanted it to feel as close to their daily work as possible by using materials that come from an actual client in an abstracted way and where we manipulated things the way we wanted them. But the core design principle we had was it needs to be as close to people's actual experience as possible, but we need to be in control of how the simulation works, what the inputs are and how they behave and how they relate to each other. Um, we have not yet been able to publish uh, about this, but once we have, I'm very happy to share. And that's a detailed description then very, of how to do it. Very good. And, and, and I'm sure, I'm, I mean, you're an easily approachable person. So I think that you, 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 can, you can count on getting a couple of emails after this. After yeah, this. very happy to share. Once we have, uh, once we're able to, to publish it, then uh, that's very easy to do. If there are follow-up questions or more details on the, the, how we did the research, I'm also happy to have a call. Yes. Now, what I'm going to do now is, uh, is just have Guys, there I see, see now there are 19 participants. So there's about 20 of us of us left here. Is there someone who has a has a question that you can just voice or or or, or throw, throw at Therese and 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 uh, the group maybe? Uh, yeah, because my colleague Wim is also here. Uh, yeah. He also has a very interesting. We, we can yeah. we can also trouble him, of course. We we. we, <laughs> we are there any more questions, any more? I mean, however practical, I, I, I think what you have opened up are many ideas about, about um, certainly for people who understand that their company needs to change and their organization needs to change and it needs to happen now. Some companies are also very aware that the next year or whatever the, this, the, the, how, however long this, this COVID time will take, I mean, we need to be doing something differently, and it sounds like, like some of this will be needed somehow. But we need to be able to work, to work this at at least to some extent into our normal, normal um, uh, sort of. Well, it's not normal, but our everyday work, and yeah. we also most likely, and this is of course very much my 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 approach and thinking of all of this. We need to we need to shift and rethink the way we do training and development. This is my take. Now it's after, after, after five uh, in Finland, after four in CET, so I dare to say it now. So that, that, that we need to, what, what you have been talking about is the power of experience, the learning experience with all good teachers, all good trainers know. And so having people do and then reflect, having people experience become aware, uh, and not by having them learn something by heart or or a specific content as you were were describing yeah. earlier, and then 
uh, I suppose one question is what 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 do you think what can the accountant accounting firms do now? What's the next? Is there a next step? I think the next step is um, understanding how to show people the value of learning in order to to strengthen their motivation to to engage further. Um, in the simulations, we were able to show if teams do this, it results in this much better performance. And this is the, how those teams behave differently. Um, so that became very clear. And many people said, we also had people of different cultural backgrounds, for example. There was one comment that I found very funny where someone said, well, those Dutch men, uh, they are so confident and they talk all the time. And I don't feel fine interrupting them because they, they project such an air of confidence. In my culture, that's not acceptable. In my culture, it's polite to ask questions and to, to be a little bit vague about things and to encourage other people to continue thinking. And I don't always feel comfortable doing that. And you could see some of the Dutch men were a little bit offended and others were like, oh, that's why they're so quiet. Now I get it. Yeah. They, they just, they didn't know. Yeah. And having that awareness that learning can also be how do I effectively work together with my colleagues? How do I have everyone heard? How do I give people a safe platform to speak? That's also learning. But, and, but there is a question. I mean, surely what you're saying, what are the way if we believe your, your experiments and then what, what you've done and what you've shown, there's no other way to, 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 to make people aware than having them actually experience it and I, I think many people have I think many people have experiences of perfect opportunities for learning but they go unnoticed and I think that's the the, the 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 key that you people realize what learning moments are and that they then have the tools to act on that that's what I mean by 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 showing people that sense of urgency yeah that they realize a bit the learning moments I'm a bit more pessimistic than you when it comes to to making people aware of uh, uh, using their old learning moments. I'm more for the 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 the, the um, current learning moments the, the, and myself. But but that's an interest. We we have to believe what to to think think like that. Otherwise, we are not going to. Uh, we, it will take too long a time. We need to be doing something, something more. And I must say, this has been great. We have had the fantastic benefit to work with, 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 with this, uh, with this group of researchers for for many years. With with Professor Heiselas, this has been great. And and the, really, the value of learning experiences that has been it has been informing us very much in in designing sort of new approaches to using question-driven approaches and so on and so forth, which are not actually that far from, from when it comes to ways of, of, of using, of, of uh, creating ex learning experiences. Thank you so much. Uh, keep us in mind and, and follow what, what goes on, on, in, on in, in Talent Miles. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. You have been listening to a Talent Miles Talks podcast produced by Talent Miles the company using digital approaches to create more dialogue and learning in teams and faster change in companies. Learn more at www.talentmiles.pro.